<laughs> congratulations to all of us. We made it through or are making it through, I guess, one of the frankly most fucked up weeks I can ever remember. <laughs> Seriously. So congratulations. Thank you for being here with me. I know I need this distraction right now. I'm smiling. I mean, I think we're all smiling on the other end of this call. So, I, I you know, I'm feeling all right. Good. All right. All right. Well, here we go. Here we go. We're going to do this. I'm warm. You're warm. It's warm out. It's warm in Chicago. I bet it's warm in California where you are. Yeah. This is nice. Episode 81 Gearbuds podcast. I'm Henry. That's Dave. Hey. And today we are super stoked to have just wonderfully talented and wonderful human being frankly uh for a guest on the phone with us right now jovia armstrong hi hey what's up (laughs) welcome i'm happy to be here i I wish you know i honestly i feel this way about all of our guests that we're doing remotely but it's extra true right now i just wish we could be in the same room together because i haven't seen you in so long i feel like i just like i i I miss that energy but i'm still smiling real real hard right now (laughs) same here your voice same here. Uh, it's been it's been what since maybe two thousand nine since I, I left left I that place where I we can't met. Think about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when I I left there before that, but who knows when it was? I don't even know. How do you honestly. guys know maybe, each other? Maybe can we'll we, sort it out. Can we? Talk well, about we can. Yeah, we can. We you know what? We can. We can. We, it's not like this is like a big big secret or anything, but it, right. we'll untangle it as we go along. But yeah, we did work together back in the day at Embira Technologies, okay. which I don't know. I feel like the world more or less knows at this point that Embira is the parent company of a, a handful of other of some of the larger. Um, retailers of music gear on the interwebs such oh, okay. as sounds.com oh, very cool. uh, and we were and we met working there and we didn't even say it jovi is an amazing percussionist and composer and educator and ah. just multifaceted <laughs> human being um that's done some really cool stuff and is doing some really cool stuff and i'm just i don't know i'm very very i'm blessed and stoked to have you on me too oh, day today well same here I'm, I'm glad to be here and uh it, it's so funny because uh Embira Technologies sounds so much more professional and legit than Zounds.com. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you guys Z- work for like Wait, a medical Z- Zounds. Z- Zounds. <laughs> Z- Zounds. Z- Zounds. <laughs> I love that joke. You know, honestly, though, I, I'll be like, yeah, whatever. Maybe it, it was uh, not the best place in the world at all times. But I do ha- still have some some very good friends are, that are over there. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- it's not all bad necessarily for sure. But there, there, you know, like any job, there are definitely things that we could all, I'm sure, uh, probably the like X-rated version of this uh, <laughs> podcast we could reminisce about and like and, and really get into the details. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I as a musician, uh, at that time, I had just moved to Chicago and I needed a job. I was at uh, <laughs> I was at a guitar center at the time when I applied to work at Zounds. And uh, one thing that I really dug about the place was just the flexibility. Uh, you know, musicians oh, yeah. we we need that. Um, it's really hard for us to to hold on to day jobs and things like that. And mm-hmm. so that was actually I would say a, a blessing for us. Uh, we we probably didn't really think about it that way a lot of times but um, at the end of the day we all kind of need flexibility with our careers and that was a place where I felt like I was you know I had that flexibility with the schedule it was like a 15 minute bus ride to get there and um, I remember the HR 
guy that we had there before, uh, Max, I think. Was that Max Horowitz? Yeah, yeah. And that's right. I saw Max not that long ago. Really? Yeah. He was he was great. He was definitely um, an advocate for us as artists. Um, And you know that's something I I wish. I don't know if I can do anything about it when I become an adult, but um, I, you know, I would love to. Wait, advocate. you pl- you're going to become an adult one? I thought we all pretty much decided we weren't going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of go back and forth on that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's really important that um, that there are corporations out here that understand what we go through as artists, and it's hard to pass up an opportunity. Um, to play on a stage for nine bucks an hour <laughs> right you know so mm-hmm. yeah but that's where and, we and met. i'll add yeah. that the other the other cool thing about mm-hmm. a, a bit that in general with zounds and and z zounds and, and byra <laughs> is that uh, not only not only you know was it was it extra welcoming to musicians you literally in order to work there you had to be a musician that's one of the prerequisites for the right. company no matter what your position was if you were mm-hmm. you know a graphic designer or yeah. a coder or a salesperson or in finance or whatever every single person there ceo t- t- down is in some form uh, a musician so that yeah. was super cool that like just to be in that environment yep. i mean i was in a couple bands actually that sort of formed out of just people that worked there with owen and josh and max and a number oh, of other people cool. not max not max horowitz unfortunately max okay. crow uh, who's also been on the podcast himself. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. It was pretty that's fertile. Cool. And they're still here in Chicago, so that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be crazy to work at a place like that where it's all musicians, but then they're like, we're not going to give you flexibility to go be a musician, you know? So obviously exactly. they've kind of mm-hmm. got to do that for you guys. So that, that sounds like a great place, man. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, does old, it... The good old days right there. Yeah, it doesn't pay a whole lot, but it, it works. Nope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well... That was that was a wonderful little teaser of, of our trip down memory lane. We're yes. gonna do a whole bunch of that later on in the episode. For sure. Before we do that, we've got some segments we like to to go through each week. So why don't we just dive right on in to the Symphony of Corrections? This is uh, your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you, listeners, far and wide. We say it every week. We mean it every week. We wouldn't do this without y'all. Actually, we might still do it, but it wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> it helps it when you know people might that, hear it. Yeah, absolutely. That that are out there and, and giving us love and feedback, and that's that's amazing. And thank you far and wide for listening. Uh, follow us, P- Gearbuds Podcast, on Instagram. Uh, Dave doing doing up the fun meme love over on Facebook these days, trying to keep things light. Trying and to keep old. it real light on Facebook these days. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. So. <laughs> Keep it, keep it up, buddy. Love seeing that. And if you're already listening to us, please subscribe, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, wherever you listen. Uh, ooh, I have a, a really awesome update for gearbudspodcast.com slash free stuff. All right. Uh, this is where uh, I just talk about some, usually some sort of plugin or something that's free that is out for a limited time or maybe not. But this one is limited. <clears throat> and, I'm, and I'm very extra excited for this one because I've already used it and it's awesome. And it is Waves, uh, their convolution reverb plugin, IRL, uh, is currently free. You go through, I, I'll post the link on the site, but if, if you go to, it's like some Black Ghost Audio co sponsored thing, blah, blah, blah. You give them their email, you get a serial number for this thing, and it works. And it's an IR loader. And if you don't know, convolution reverb <clears throat> uses IRs, impulse responses, which are sort of like mathematical maps of rooms. And it allows you to say, like, I want to play in. I want to put my drum sound in Wembley or like oh, no the shit. Sydney Opera House or Blackbird or something. If there, if someone has taken an IR of that room, you can then load it into this reverb and boom, now you, your 
you know computer has Wembley Stadium in it. That's so, really cool. Uh, it has I think like a hundred IRs loaded in, loaded in, or of course you can you can load your own. And I've already used it, and it's badass. Awesome, so, man. Nice. Very Limited time, unfortunately. I think it's only like after this comes out, it'll still only be a few days. So you know. Both of both of you two should do it immediately. Yeah. And then if yeah, you're listening yeah. to this episode right now, please uh, go to the website and download it. Awesome. Link there because it's an awesome plugin and it's normally like 130 bucks or something. So, mm-hmm. well, oh, Dave, this is a good cool. one. Uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Joe, uh, but I was very excited because this is the symphony of corrections where historically we used to correct things that we say wrong because we are dumb and say a lot of wrong stuff but uh lately that hasn't been coming up as much either because we've gotten better at this or more likely because i'm lazier but uh, we have one update from last week's episode uh or i guess a semi-correction i guess because we talked about remember we talked about uh the band captured by robots last week right we were talking about animatronic bands yeah that's right and so captured by robots i did we couldn't remember i didn't know if they were still in existence or he was still in existence Mm -hmm. uh and actually one of our former guests and and good friends of the show stingray sent us his own little symphony of corrections update about that Mm. so uh he told us that uh he was the bass player in the blue meanies which is correct if if anybody remembers the sort of like late 90s early 2000s ska core band mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh the blue meanies who are from i believe they're from downstate illinois but were sort of a chicago band okay uh so he was a bass player in that band left uh was all, i think he was also in skank and pickle for a while there so he, he was sort of like the bass player in these like really big ska bands and was like i fucking hate this i'm gonna start <laughs> i'm gonna start my own band, literally my own band where I don't have to be with other humans anymore and I'm going to build robots. And yeah. so wow. that's the, 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 the impetus of Captured by Robots was him hating other humans so much awesome. that he wasn't even an engineer. The right. dude was just like, he just literally learned how to build robots to start a band to play instruments with him. I was going to say, oh, and then that's it, so to cool. actually program them yeah. at the same time. So you've yeah. got a lot of different skills there. Yeah, and so it turns out that he is still, I mean, currently none of us are active, but in terms of musicians in the world, he is still a musician. He still uh, toured as, I think as recently as 2019, as Captured by Robots. It's So I, because I have played with them a few times, I'd mentioned, I remember it having this sort of like, almost more lighthearted comedic feel, which I guess he was always sort of bummed out about and and, <laughs> and, and didn't like that it was coming off that way. Right, like So goofy. he went super yeah. left turn and is like very right? sort of like political and, uh, you know, uh, trying to use his his platform for good yeah. at this point. Um, and, and not just being the dude, I guess the, the sort of like the fictional story was that he, he the, these robots had captured him, hence captured by robots and, and dismembered him and, and actually blinded him as well. And he was there and he was there like music, like he had to sing these songs that they wrote basically. Yeah. And um, that's crazy, so, man. Yeah. I was going to tell our listeners, like if, if you've even never listened to it, just Google a picture of captured by robots. I mean, you'll get an exact idea of what this stage setup looks like. It's insane. I mean, the robots aren't like little tiny, you know, oh, no. no, they're like, I mean, I couldn't imagine going to gigs and having to like lug these things on stage. They did not look lightweight whatsoever. So, uh, dude, you need to like hire like union teamsters or something. <laughs> I, I have no idea whatever how city he was going possibly to possibly <laughs> do all that stuff. It's cr- it's crazy. And he still does it. But wow. Wow. anyways, we have an actual update for the, or an actual correction for the symphony of corrections. There this it week, is. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Nice. Oh, we can get into, 
uh, bad fucking ideas, uh, one of our favorite sub segments. And this one is less. So I don't. I'm not going to go ahead and say that this one is a bad fucking idea. I'm gonna. I'm going to to pose the question to mm-hmm. both of you and, and just lay this out, and and maybe we can have a little conversation about it. I don't know. Maybe you've heard about this already, but um, Spotify recently announced that they're going to let artists, you know, who have their music on the Spotify platform, boost their songs and get paid less in exchange. Hmm. Get paid wait, less. Wait, heard about wait, this? wait, wait. Say that again. <laughs> yeah, right. Spotify soon is going to allow artists. Any of all, I'm sure all three of us who have music on Spotify right now soon are going to be able to. They're beta testing this right now, but mm-hmm. it's going to roll out more widely. Are letting artists boost their own songs and get them. I think it's right now. It's just in their radio <clears throat> and autoplay formats. It's not in standard sort of playlists and that sort of thing. Um, but are allowing artists to boost their songs and then get less of whatever the like point zero zero three pennies a or whatever the whatever the ridiculous rate right. that you get it, as it is, you can get less of a rate. Less than six hundredth of a penny. Right. Oh, I'm I'm down. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say you're down. I'm yeah. down too, man. I mean, at this okay. point in our lives, you know, unless you're unless you're getting three million plays per song or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, I don't know why anybody wouldn't. Give it a you shot. Know, like, like, why would it matter? I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a penny okay, from, that's, that's from totally Spotify. <laughs> now, how yeah. I, I, w- I would like to see their model, like how how guaranteed are you that people are still actually going to hear it? Because if everybody does it, then it's just going to be back to normal Spotify again. Isn't yeah. It? All right, I mean, so I've actually got some quotes. I, I read their release and they said, this is a quote from Spotify. Listener satisfaction is our priority. We won't guarantee placement to labels or artists. And we only ever recommend music we think listeners will want to hear. So it's not like a, you know, Sony's can't, Sony can't come in and just be like, play all of our fucking music all the time right. and don't pay us ever. Right. You know? right. like they, you can't, they can't just like, you can't take it over that way. They're keeping it a little more black box than that and they said that they're going to apply the experience to radio and autoplay formats initially um, and it's expected to expand Um, oh this is and this i just wanted to share some stats that i came across that while i didn't realize all like how big frankly spotify is and i'm i'm a very active spotify user have been for many years they have just under 300 million active users Mm. monthly uh 138 of those are 138 million of those are premium, which is a significant right. amount of people. Mm. Four billion, four billion playlists. <laughs> uh, oh, and this this is a particularly interesting for for us right now. 1.5 million podcast titles. Okay, that's a lot of podcasts. So we're swimming wow. in a sea of podcasts. Not, right not now. like not like episodes of podcasts. That's different shows. Yeah, actual shows. Right. Yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, I'm sure we're in there somewhere. You know, floating around. Right. We're one of the worst. We're one of those t- oh, st- yeah. statistics. <laughs> I think my the most interesting to me, and my, I would say maybe my favorite stat though, is that there are 16 billion artist discoveries every month, which they mean that for them means users that listens to songs that they had never heard before. Okay. That happens 16 billion times a month wow. on Spotify. Wow! So that's, that's cool. cool. That's cool, it's man. Cool um, stuff. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. It's also like initially my gut reaction why I put it in the sub segment of bad fucking ideas is that I don't know. Like we're already not making anything, so right. now they want us to like cut anything in half and give us that. It just I, it felt like it felt like they're they already they give us a crumb, so now they're just going to give us a half a crumb. I mean, I, I guess like the cool thing is they're not doing like a payola situation where it's like if you pay five hundred dollars a month, we will sure. promise to put. So at least they're like we'll take money from if people actually listen to you, then we will take a chunk otherwise you know you could just it could be no different than how you're already doing it now i i do think it's interesting with a lot less bands touring right now obviously because of what's going on um 
I wonder if more people will start to use this feature once they get more active playing live shows again and going out and trying to promote tours and promote their bands that way, you know? I I would say um <laughs> I just I I definitely have a a, a love hate relationship with Spotify. Um I know this summer the CEO Daniel Eck, I think is his name. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he came out, there was an article that came out on the fader saying, uh, where he said that working musicians may no longer be able to release music only once every three to four years. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it started this big controversy, uh, because a lot of, uh, you know, well, my, my thought with that is, uh, when it comes to pop music, maybe you can say that, you yeah. know, for anyone following, uh, typical chord structures and group like drum grooves and things like that. Yeah, if you if you understand that formula of commercial music, you probably could pump out music every couple of weeks. Um, but what happens to genius at this point, right? Like how interesting. <laughs> how how do you rush people who are doing more complicated music or music where right. um, maybe it has more of a social context to it? Um, it's kind of just excluding and that's the thing i think um you know since all of the riots the george floyd thing came out and um that murder let me call it a murder i'll I'll call it what it is um it's a murder it's a murder but um this year this country has seen a lot of turmoil um a lot of people are you know we've we've developed this call out culture and we've developed a, a cancel culture as well and the public seems to be, and a lot of universities are doing this too, uh, people are trying to stop discrimination in different facets. One of, one of it, uh, one, one way of discriminating is exclusion. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, when I look at a company like Spotify and they come out and say, well, tell you what, I know we're not paying you, you know, <laughs> you're not making shit right now. We, we could pay you even less shit if if you want to promote your your music right yep. it, and it's just like you're not really helping me still i mean you guys just quoted some figures where it feels hopeless like if if someone said you're one of 300 mi- million or billion artists on this platform i'm kind of like how how do i get seen you know and so it's discouraging what we, yeah it's, it's the it's it's vehicle of delivery, but it can't be the means of discovery. And I think yeah. that sort of comes yes. to, to, to what, what made my stomach turn a little bit when I heard this in that I didn't necessarily think I, – I thought it was a bad fucking idea, in fact, to say that like, oh, you can just use this for – like it, we know you're not we're not really paying you, but we're just going to pay you even less. And now, But now you get this discovery thing that actually, by the way, mm, doesn't really work. Well, yeah. Right. I mean – Exactly. Like I said, if everybody does it, then you're back to where it started anyways. So I don't know what, what makes it more premium or, or who's to say even, you know, just because they said in the press release that they're not going to let labels take over and, and major labels promote their artists above, let's say, me or you or, you know, I, I don't know how how you would even know that you're going to be, you know, you can't just take their word for it. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard. It's, you know, it's I, hard. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was, I was just saying that it's... <clears throat> It's a tough thing to manage if they think that they can do it. Um, I, I saw a lot of artists this summer uh, turning to Bandcamp. I saw so mm-hmm. many people just saying, forget Spotify. I'm going to go to Bandcamp. Bandcamp seems to be supporting artists, you know, on Bandcamp Fridays, 
all the proceeds Which is, we're, go we're, to the we're recording this on one today in yeah fact. yeah it, i think it's great and a lot of people like myself i actually want to get off of spotify i haven't figured out how to do it <laughs> i mean i could I cancel know. my subscription right but Right. Then it's like, well, what other platform do I use? And do they have... It's, it's cutting off your nose to spite your own face, really. Yeah. 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 It's so... It's, I feel like I have to do all this research first to see, well, do the other streaming sites agree with Spotify's platform? You know, are they doing the same things? And so, yeah. The, the, the challenge is that the, it's, the industry is still dominated by a couple of giant players and yeah. they hold all the power. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to this day, even though Spotify makes billions of dollars, they are still on the books a losing company. They still do not turn a profit in the financial That's world. So, so right. um, yeah. the, the, all these machinations are, are designed. It's not like this is some accident. A lot of people who are very smart and in power and control of these things have decided that this is how it's going to work. So, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways it does feel like we're sort of just like beating our head up against the idea of how society values art and, and specifically music. You yeah. know, I, unfortunately I feel like I've been kind of, I've had my pencil sharpened down to this quote that I heard by Josh Homme where he said that if you expect anything from music, you're expecting too much. Yeah. Uh, I love music with every core of me, part of my body. It's it's pretty much the only thing I actually care about at all. But I also, right. it's just to expect anything from it at this point does feel just like I'm setting myself self up to be let down ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's easier for me to kind of approach it from a, I don't know if I'd say detached, but I guess... Mm. do it for I the just, right reason feel like I, or, or for my own reasons that mm-hmm. are probably different than a lot of people who are trying to be pop stars or something sure. like that i guess yeah agreed yeah. which again and if that if that is what you want to do i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that at all i'd say go for it yeah but it's just it's not how i would like to That's live great my quote. life at this point I like that. yeah Wow, we really, we really got into it. Uh, we're still in the <laughs> symphony here. I can't believe we're this. Podcasting, this is, baby. This we're, is we're podcasting. We're podcasting. Uh, I want to keep this train rolling here. Oh, this is actually this is breaking news in the sort of uh, guitar world right here. So, in, in fact, this is it's interesting because I had this on the outline that I just wanted to touch on it in, as term in terms of new gear that uh, just came out. <clears throat> Anyways, but uh, in term, there's this now this whole saga that that's developed around it. So Gibson recently announced the Adam Jones signature uh, Les Paul. It's a Les Paul custom. Um, I for loyal listeners and friends know that I I happen to also be a lover of old Les Paul customs and play one as my main guitar. So mm-hmm. I was pretty excited about this news. I'm not like the biggest Tool fan, but I I definitely respect Tool for sure. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so there was two versions that came out. One of them was ludicrously expensive it's like 10 grand or something like that which feels insane to me because i'll this is this is the part of the story where i'm gonna do my my usual sort of little henry bellyachin about gear because uh adam jones's main les paul custom is a 1979 les paul custom well i happen to own a 1978 so i know a lot about these guitars right and so they're the main custom shop version is ten thousand dollars and i happen to know that you can get an actual 1979 les paul custom for like three to thirty five hundred dollars <laughs> right. ah. so like why would for i was just kind of like this is my belly achy part where i'm like why the fuck would you spend right ten thousand dollars on i i don't under, i don't understand that I, well there's I, a point I, of, I, unless you're just like an adam jones super fan i guess yeah i mean and especially with a guitar i mean i think we we would all agree that like a five thousand dollar guitar and a ten thousand dollar guitar or whatever it is you know at, at some point it's still an instrument so you know how how the high do you want to returns go? yeah, yeah diminishing the, are, returns thank you are you guys familiar with uh, a Chicago guitarist by the name of Isaiah Sharkey? 
Indeed, I I know I know him personally. He's yeah. going to be on the show at some point. Oh, awesome! Um, he's he's like a super good friend of mine. And nice. Oh, great. It, yeah, and he rips. He's oh, so yeah, good. he's amazing. He, super amazing. And uh, <laughs> he was just out here in L.A. and he said that he was using a Fender. Uh, you guys have to help me on this because I'm not a guitarist, but he's using a Fender Mexican Strat. Yeah. And he does have Mexican Strat. He told me about that guitar. Yeah. Yeah, he loves it. You Let's know, see. and awesome. uh, he's he's, all, he's got he's got a couple like custom uh, signature sort of like handmade guitars that he plays too. But yeah, he did, he he did mention that he's got that Strat that he really loves. I love that. He loves. He's probably it. had it forever too. I think he just. All right, so yeah, that one I think so, he just yeah, got. I think we're all on the same page. Like ten thousand dollars signature <laughs> custom guitar. <laughs> not going to make you. Might be a little insane. <laughs> it's cool. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not like inherently shitting on that. If you have ten thousand dollars to blow on a custom shop guitar that's cool but yeah. here's where the story actually gets interesting because ah. right before we uh went to air i suppose or went to to tape for this uh i happened to get two different text messages from friends of the show about the situation i had just seen online as well so i guess the this ten thousand dollar version is extremely limited i can't remember i didn't i didn't get the numbers but there's a very limited amount of them that they made it was something like i don't know 50 or 50 to 75 or something like that mm-hmm. well sweetwater uh, our neighbors to the east in Indiana uh, had a certain amount that was being delivered to them. I believe it was thirteen, and someone stole them. <gasps> All I heard, dude, I just saw Les Paul Costas and forgot to text you. Yeah. Oh no! Like, and they're, they're, so it, it's to the point that nobody knows where they are they uh i'll i'll, I'll actually you know what we'll, dave why don't we put it on the facebook uh, they've released all the serial numbers for all the sh- all these guitars oh, cool. so like right. if they get out into the wild we'll be able to track them and everything like that so um yeah it's like i i have i mean it might be too soon but i feel like this is this is like sweetwater gate or like yeah Sweetwater right gate? how do you, where do you put the, emph- where do you put the emphasis on that yeah i, that, I, hope I mean that nobody i hope that nobody comes up with that super sweetwater obvious pun gate. by monday by the time this comes out yeah yeah, we should release that for sure. <laughs> this um, is like our Gear World Oceans Oceans Eleven. I, or I do Oceans love thirteen. There are thirteen guitars. We got to pun that. I, I always I'm get sad when guitars get stolen, but obviously these didn't belong to anybody yet, so I don't feel as bad about it. But I will say yeah. that sounds like an inside job. I mean, if no, honestly, I do think that they were pre-ordered. So uh, unfortunately, there are people oh. that are that were directly impacted right. by this as well. That's you know, I, I know we're making light of it, and I did come up with a very funny joke if I do say so myself. But I Clever, still actually yeah. do feel very uh, very. Deeply for the people that are not going to get their, you know, ridiculous. I also I also but noticed that the guitar um, has the back of the neck sanded, just like your Les Paul. Indeed, it does. So, uh, his yeah. yeah, his is well, his is a silver burst. Mine's just black, but it's a Les right, Paul custom. It's right. very much similar to mine. He also uh, the main difference is I mean there are a couple. He did a couple little sort of like electronic tweaks, uh, but there's a mirror on the headstock. I guess that's oh, the like his. So you can his check thing. yourself out. Check your hair before you go on stage. I do often find myself wondering how I look, so <laughs> maybe that could work. Awesome. Wow, you know what? This is we're 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 having a wonderful conversation right now. But I I was really uh, I guess uh, underselling to myself how how much we'd be able to talk about these things. So like I'm just gonna have to like, skip a whole bunch of this. Are shit. you? Right. Um, you know what? It's fine. I, I uh, can talk guitars a little bit. 
Oh, oh yeah, no, 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 it's not even that. I just feel like we're we're just getting we're on our way for like a two hour episode content right here. Yeah, we're gonna be here for like four fucking hours. Henry's like, I'm gonna have to edit so, this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, oh right, right. I'm doing myself some work, uh, some some justice here. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of justice, go to saveourstages.com uh, if you haven't already. I know I say it every week and preach about it, but I don't care because this is our show and we can just do whatever we want. So go Damn to saveourstages.com. Right. Otherwise, people like us and your friends and the people that we love and you love uh, won't be able to have jobs and stuff in the future doing the entertaining stuff that we all need to have a society that functions and is happy and stuff so um, they make it very actionable and easy for you once you go there so please saveourstages.com all right i get to stop talking for a minute and 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 that is because i get to say my two favorite words that i get to say every single week dave's docs yeah baby we're gonna come in hot today i'm telling you what man (laughs) you're coming hot I'm excited. We're coming in real hot. I uh, wasn't sure what I was going to watch this week, man. And it came down to like two nights ago. And I was like, all right, I got to get something on Wait, the docks. Can I, can I just real quick? Mm-hmm. I've got in, in Amazon alone, I've got like 30 docks Send them over. That, I'm, that I'm pretty sure we've never seen or talked about on here. Send before. them over. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm just going to start sharing them. And it's you. funny because if I Google like, you know, top, you know, 100 music documentaries, it's all I've seen every single one almost now. So yeah. I'm, I'm starting to hit the ones that I haven't seen, which well, dude, Am- episode Amazon. 81. I mean, it's it makes. Sense yeah, we're doing we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I have to say, man, I found another. And the problem with Amazon, too, which I love. They've been a great resource for documentaries. So if you guys are bored out there. Check out Amazon. Huge collection of documentaries. Um, I some watched of, one today. Some of them aren't uh, authorized. They're actually like really poorly done. Um, but yeah. some of them are. And some of them you've never heard of. This one is for sure an authorized documentary because it's interviews with all of the band members who are still alive. And, who is um, it? Who is it? Man, when I, when I think back to my brother giving me a stack of CDs when I was like 12 years old, one of those CDs was Bad Company. And Bad company. Yeah, dude. And I can't deny. I'm telling you, I wasn't. I wasn't like. I didn't We're know anything. Sued for that shit. Didn't know anything about this <laughs> band, man. I'm telling you, like, I was like, you know, I know this. I know the hits. You know, uh, feel like making love, ready for love, shooting star, rock and roll fantasy, shooting star. Oh, I love yeah. shooting star. Uh, can't get enough of your love. I mean, really. And they good. were like all on the same fucking album. They had they had three like really like banger albums. Um, the first three have all the hits. The first two really have like you know like shooting star and rock and roll fantasy but anyways um i didn't know these guys they're they're a band from england um the singer and this is kind of full circle because we've been talking about we talked about mick ronson uh last week and the week before i think or maybe Always. two weeks ago four Let's weeks keep ago. it rolling keeping it rolling uh the singer uh his name's paul rogers he joined Mata hoople which had mick ronson in it and when he joined the band um they recorded all the young dudes written and produced by david bowie so um, I thought that was kind of a cool little full circle type thing that talking about bro. Mick Ronson again. He met the guitar player Mick Ralphs in that band. Um, they actually started off, I'm sorry, before Mott the Hoople. Do you remember the band Free? They oh, had course. the song All Right Now with like one All of right the best now. guitar licks ever. Yeah, it's been used in like every Quentin Tarantino movie ever. Um, Is that Paul Rogers also? That's him singing. Yeah. So Dude. he was singing in this band Free. And then they broke up. They toured, like, as soon as that song came out, they toured, like, headlined, like, giant arenas, stadiums um, from 69 to 70. And they were like, we're done. Like, we can't do this anymore. It was, like, a year of straight touring, like, hundreds of shows. And so they basically, uh, they broke up. They formed, they, they kind of, he got into Mata Hoople. Then they did whatever. And then he left. He took the drummer from Free, and they started what is Bad Company. 
I didn't know Fucking this as drum well. Drum poachers, man. Drum poachers are Dude, the ones running drum, running the world. I'm telling you, if you if you get a good drummer, you just stick with them, man. That There's is no like kidding. It's got you just you got to take the drummer, you know. So um, check this out. You'll like this one, Henry. The bass player in the band was the singer from King Crimson. Wait, who was that? His name is uh, Raymond Boz Burrell. Wow. And he was the singer from of King, like the original incarnation. From the original, like, yeah, uh, like, the, the, si- the, like the 1970 thing? version or whatever. Because cool. they had like 10 versions of that band. Um, Hell yeah. So he sang in that band. He didn't know how to play bass. They, the guitar player taught him how to play bass and he played a fretless Ampeg scroll bass, which is like that really <laughs> wow. crazy. Like I wouldn't even attempt to play that thing. It's like an insane, no. huge fretless bass. It's like bass. an upright. And he's like, he's like, well, I don't know how to play. So it's kind of like that idea that like if you give a child a paintbrush and you just let them do their thing, like that's the purest form of art there is. So you're telling me the bassist in Bad Company didn't know how to play didn't bass. Didn't know how to play was bass. previously the singer in King Crimson. Yes. He may, have, wow. he may have played for like a couple weeks before he joined the band. There's actually a funny story they tell where he auditioned they had like 10 bass players audition he was the last one he shows up he's like they're all getting along and he hasn't even played a lick they end up getting drunk and going to this pub <laughs> they get hammered they wake up the next day and they call each other and they're like did did we like that guy and they're like i don't know but i think we hired him so they hired this guy <laughs> never wow. hearing him play it turns out he couldn't play at all so the guitar player um mick ralphs he had to teach him how to play base it's amazing you know what honestly that just proves something that we've talked about a number of times on here that it's all about the hang it is Mm -hmm. if you are a good hang yep you are gonna get the gig way if uh, chops ain't shit if you can if you can hang then people will figure out a way to have you i would i would be i would rather be in a band with with like great friends and mediocre players than like insane players who i didn't really want to be around you know and i think i'm pretty sure you guys would agree with that um, a couple mm-hmm. more fun facts about Bad Company, and then I'll get us out of here because I really want to interview our guest today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to talk to her. Um, they uh, recorded their first album in 10 days at Led Zeppelin's house. They were under Led Zeppelin's label, Swan Song, and they were managed by Peter Grant, uh, Led Zeppelin's manager. So I thought so that was like really interesting. Baby, little so Led Zeppelin they were baby little baby band. Zeppelin. And they kind of Zeppelin kind of took them under their wing. I think they did little some blimps. tours with them. They were they had already sold out their first tour before they ever even like released any music because people kind of knew who Paul Rogers was and they knew about free and all this stuff. So they already had this kind of following. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, then when Zeppelin broke up and, and uh, Bonham died, they basically kind of started to like lose their unity. Peter Grant lost interest, all that stuff. Um, and then one more fun fact, Paul Rogers and Jimmy Page started a band did not know this because I thought I knew everything about Jimmy Page called The Firm. Have you heard of The Firm? Have you guys? I have heard of The Firm. You yeah, have. I can picture the album cover. They played, it looks like the 80s. Yeah. He said, he, uh, Jimmy Page goes to him. He goes, I don't really want to be in a band right now, but we'll do two albums and we'll do two tours and then we're done. And that's exactly what they did. So uh, I really want to listen to The Firm, to be honest. I want to hear that combination because I got to say, man, Paul Rogers, one of the best lead singers I think I've ever heard. Like really, really, really underrated as far as like the vocal range that that guy could hit. Um, and then one last cool thing about them, they reformed in 2008 um, due right. to copy. But wasn't it called like Paul Rogers Bad Company right. or something? Well, Didn't they tag his name on Exactly, it? because the, I, I don't know what the details were, but there was some kind of lawsuit, copyright infringement with right. the name. And they said if they didn't fo- like reform and perform in 2008, they were going to lose the name and lose probably a lot of money. So they got back together and then it, it turned out they were like, oh, this is really fun. Let's just stay together as a band. And then they ended up, you know, I don't know. I don't know how old the doc was, probably a couple years old. But as far as I know, they stayed together and uh, bad company still doing the damn thing. So, you know, I got to say he 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 
that that old dude can wear a pair of jeans. He looks great, you know, man. Like, he's in he looks great fucking shape. great. He's always doing sort of like air punches and yep. stuff while he's singing. I feel like he's flexed a lot, but he's just like very energetic, yeah. great range, very powerful singer. And also, I mean, truly, I, this could be a sort of divisive opinion, but I personally believe that the the bands that do the like their own name anthem are yes. fucking rad. Dude. Like having being called Bad Company and having a song called Bad Company yep. about how you're bad company is just such a power move not to mention on the album bad company their first uh album so you know on the label bad company that's a three-year bad company 2020 (laughs) i love it man um yeah so so and uh the documentaries wait hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on there are other bands that have have done this are there yeah i I would like i would like to try to come up with any so i've I've got a couple off the top of my head wu-tang i mean wu-tang talks about themselves being wu-tang all the fuck they have a song called wu-tang well, I mean, I don't know, but they don't give a fuck. Well, yeah, you know? we know that. Yeah. Uh, like the Metallica says, we're fucking Metallica in a song. Right. Um, let's see. Ooh, the monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. That's a theme song. That's one. That's, that's true. I mean, that's that's them talking about their band name. I love the monkeys. I don't think the Beatles ever did a song called They Beatles. didn't do a song called the Beatles. No. Mm. No. That, that, that's a good point. But I was thinking about that. I was like, what other bands have a song named after the Who? The... Who are you? Who, Who are, are you? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Who's next? Doesn't that's a good point. That's I don't know. Point, that's all man. I got. That's, My brain has hit, hit. That's hit it, man. There. Well, I got to tell you, this is a great authorized documentary. It's called Bad Company. It's on Amazon. Go watch it. Um, arbitrary rating. I give it a four out of five fist bumps into the air. Nice. So there you have it. Paul Raj. What's the wait? Did you say the name of the documentary? Bad company. <laughs> That's I've, I mean, of course, I'm, like I'm if they named it anything else, I'd be like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. No, it's the fully authorized interviews with the band members. Really a legit doc. All the music and all that good stuff. So check it out. Delightful. Good one, man. Thank you. Very, very thoughtfully constructed. Thank you, sir. Speaking of thoughtful, didn't even plan that little Sieg. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this week's Hank hits. Oh man, I hate it. Now I kind of want to go back. I want to kind of like call Hank it Hank's hits. hits now. You like Hank hits better I than do. Hank's hits? I do. I okay. like it a lot. J- Joe, what do you think? Hank hits or Hank's hits? Hank, uh, maybe the first one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with Hank hits. It just didn't roll off very well this time. But this, it's where I talk about uh, a record every week that I that I personally love. And I'm actually gonna uh, throw a little curveball this week that I'm excited about because uh, as we just discussed earlier, uh, it's our show and we can do whatever we want. And normally right. I talk about an LP, a full length record, but this week I'm bringing us our first. Well, he's called an EP, but in my opinion, I guess if we want to get pedantic, it's probably more of a single because it's a two song release uh, on a well, what is sort of seven inch vinyl but we'll get to that and that's sort of the, there are two main reasons that i want to talk about it one because it's badass and it's my friend who put it out and i'm super stoked for him and i wanted to get the word out there but also because of the format so the first thing we'll just talk about the record itself uh it's uh his name is ed moses he's a dude i grew up with he goes by the his stage names are either ams or the nerd king rapper oh. from chicago and it's called the over under ep Two songs, Uphill and Sisyphus. Uh, but the reason that I, the songs are amazing. Just go listen to them. They're on Spotify. They're on Bandcamp. All that good shit. Um, I, the reason I would say I'm going to say don't buy the records because I think it might be sold out already. If not, you should check. You're going to want it after I'm done describing it because it is unlike any 
piece of vinyl that I have in my collection. Really? Uh, and, and that's because it's actually, I, I it's not vinyl. Um, so what it is, and, and, and actually uh, I'm just going to read the, uh, I'm just going to read this little description that came with the record itself. And I, and I have to mention that if you do buy a record from him and they are still available, he gives you a ton of fucking awesome extra material, which I have to say, I love when bands do that mm-hmm. and artists do that. Like I'm going to buy a record from you. Send me like, drop me a little sticker in the box. Yeah. Little, whatever. Hand a comic book in there or something. Oh yeah, I mean, and his stickers are awesome, and his logo is awesome, which is basically his face in this like super awesome comic book way. Um, but anyway, so this record, uh, I'm just gonna read this thing. Please note that this lathe cut record was made one at a time in real time by a real person from plexiglass using an experimental process in 70 year old machines. Whoa! It is not a pressed record. And may have slightly more surface noise, occasional light distortion, sounds somewhat, diff- somewhat different than the original master. The volume will be a little bit lower, which I can confirm having listened to it. Um, it won't be audiophile, but it ought to be listenable and sound pretty good considering the circumstances of its birth. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Semantics. Um, anyways, this record That's is crazy. on clear plexiglass. That's so, so cool. It's in- instead of being, and I actually posted it on my my Percy's Instagram today because I was so stoked when I took it out of the packaging. Uh, it's, it's a square. Like the, oh, what? the, 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 the actual groove of the record is still circular and it still goes around circuit, you know, in a circular motion via toner on your turntable, but the actual record the itself shape of it is, is square. square and it's, and, it, and it, it is just absolutely delightful. And, and it's clear, it's see-through. I so you like, that. you know, there's, there's like a little, of course, like the, the center label in the middle, but you don't flip it. The, the etch, the etching is only on one side. Oh, so you wow. get like the, the two continuous tracks. I have personally never experienced this before. And I was just like utterly blown away at how awesome it is Dude, we got to have that guy on and talk a little bit more about that man that's fantastic oh yeah i love oh that. yeah we've we've talked he's in fact he was going to be on the show months ago and then he actually had to go host something out in dc and i don't remember what this the deal was but anyways we had to re- reschedule and we just haven't had him back on yet but we absolutely will because beautiful uh yeah he's got this new release and i just i don't know have either of you ever seen a record like this nope no no man I, I yeah i mean i was gonna say i think anytime somebody does anything cool with the record i mean we've talked about colored vinyl on here i'm a sucker for colored vinyl or anything that looks cool if it's different than just you know just a plain black record i think that's that's got a square record that's insane to me well yeah and then the other thing too that i was worried about because reading that description i was, I was sort of like all right they're like really overly selling the idea that this isn't going to sound good yeah <laughs> but i put it on and and at first so they have this little extra disclaimer that disclaimer that's like if it's distorted just sort of like bump your needle because it kind of gets like the side of the groove oh, and that did okay. happen to me at first yeah. i was like ooh, this does sound like shit and then i gave it the little tappy tap and then i was like oh it's it sounds great. Like I just I did have to inc- increase my preamp gain a little bit because mm-hmm. it was a little bit quieter, but it sounded great. And again, that it's about that experience. If I want the pure, unadulterated original master track, then that's what yeah. Bandcamp and digital all these yeah. high res sources are for. Very cool, so, man. Awesome. Yeah, check it out. A- AMS Nerd King. He is responsible for some of the cool taste I have uh, in music in the, at this point in my life, having been a friend of mine since high school. That's so cool. So Aww. check it out. Uh, all right, that's been Hank Hits. I'll throw that on the, the Spotify playlist list, which is also linked on GearBudsPodcast.com, and we've shared it on Facebook and all that shit. But it's just the the running sort of uh, document of all of the different Hank Hits that used to be called Riff Library. Very cool. Boom. Enough of us talking yeah. about us Enough and about more us. time for Jovia talk here. So the way we like to sort of 
uh, transition into that is via segment that we like to call a couple two tree randos. Although uh-huh. I think now that we have a, a well, you you did live in Chicago, so I, that does still stand. But I was thinking maybe since you're a percussionist drummer, I was thinking maybe we could call this uh, this just this we call it uh, double time because uh, you're supposed to be sort of like shorter, <laughs> a little more rapid fire questions here. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, so you know, I'm gonna hit you with a couple questions here. Don't think too much about them. Okay. Uh, you can if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, living or dead, despite your talent or theirs, you know, whatever it is, if you just wanted, if you could swap places with anybody in any musical scenario throughout history, what would that be and why? Ooh, uh, I would say Alex Acuna and the band would be Weather Report. Yes. Wow, yeah. Nice call. <laughs> wow. I'm a yeah. huge. Jocko we, we were fan. just ta- we were just I'm talking ended. Jocko earlier today. Yeah. Actually, oh, yeah. yeah, he's my hero, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, that that band. Uh, yeah, I think it was my introduction to like jazz fusion. Yeah, and um, just as a percussionist, uh, there's a little of a a little bit of a difference between like learning traditional hand percussion, like in Cuba or some place like that, and learning it in the u.s and i feel like jazz fusion is the one genre where it accepts both like uh the the traditional and the more contemporary style of percussion Mm -hmm. and that's kind of just that's my thing yeah i love that yeah boom perfect answer then (laughs) uh do you have do you remember the first time that you ever sort of noticed gear in any sort of way. Like I, I gave the example last week when I first asked this, that I just have this sort of indelibly etched memory of Jimmy Page with a double neck from when I was a little kid. And like, mm. just like for some reason, I just like as a, as a, as a divining rod, I hate that I even said that to like, I, I recognize this object. Did you have anything like that with gear? Did you ever, did you ever see a drum kit and were like, ah, that's, I want that. <laughs> My first time really recognizing gear, like, like, when I turn, I know the moment when I turn into a gearhead. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it. It was, uh, I would, I remember this time was in around 2004. I had a set of congas my dad had brought me when I was in high school. And in two, around 2004, I went to this music store in Michigan. And I was looking at buying a new set of congas. And I sat down and I, t- and I can't say the brand name because I'm not endorsed with them. <laughs> okay. But you are, you are endorsed by Gone Bops, which is pretty badass. They are. They're great. But this just wouldn't be their brand. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and, and honestly, uh, there's a long story with Gone Bops. But at this time, Gone Bops, um, they kind of went out of business in the 80s. And they came back. DW brought them back. I want to oh, say, oh, I didn't know a, that. Yeah, yeah, they came back around, I guess, two thousand, around that time, actually, early two thousands. Um, but I just remember being in a music store. I had a, a set of congas by Royce. I didn't realize how terrible they were until I went yeah. to this music store, and I touched this conga. Actually, I can't say it. It was by Mino, and it just okay. it just spoke. Like I tapped it. And it was loud. It was basically I realized I had shitty equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and so, totally. yeah. And so that was my first time like, um, wow. you know, because you hear a lot that, oh, the 
money doesn't matter uh, as long as it feels good. And this was that moment where I actually touched a conga and it felt good. Mm -hmm. Um, And ever since then, I was just really into quality. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You're, 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 and we talk about this a lot. Yeah, we we do fetishize this. We make a fucking podcast about gear, but at the same time, it is more so. I think to us about using these tools as a form of expression for the things that we that love we to want express to or need to express. Yes. I totally. And so agree. you realize that a tool was sort of limiting you from expressing the artist that you are. And at that point, I do believe that that's a problem. It's not. That's not the ten thousand dollar custom shop guitar. Yeah. That's getting a, an actual instrument that holds up to your artistry. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That's what it cool. was for me. Um, that was for percussion. I think the the like audio gear, uh, that light flipped on at the same time. Um, I went to. Guitar Center. I, I remember a lot of people asking me, when are you going to come out with an album? When are you dropping an album? At the time, I wasn't thinking about that because I didn't know how to compose. I was just a percussionist working in Detroit. And and so I asked a friend a few times, like, yeah, can I, can I come over and use your stuff? I want to write some stuff and learn how to produce. And he would say yes, but every time we were supposed to meet, he would have to postpone. And so, believe it or not, my mom and dad refinanced the house and bought me Pro Tools, a computer. Holy and shit. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and they brought me like this little small home studio. And it was my frustration with the guys at Guitar Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, be- because they Don't would sell me something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly (laughs) like they would sell me stuff and not sell me the proper cable to make it work oh and so yeah and it's like it was my you know the beginnings of me getting into this stuff and it was so frustrating that I started to learn about it I learned more and more about audio like the studio how do you connect things how you know how does the software work I didn't know any of that stuff um Mm. and that was the beginning of me because I was learning and teaching myself, that meant that I was learning about all the gear. I was, I was comparing different microphones because I was on a budget. Um, I ended mm-hmm. up, you know, deciding like, okay, I can't afford a C414 now, but if I save up for the next three months, I can get that, you know. Right. And so those were yeah, the, sure, yeah, and Set so goals. yeah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that was. For for percussion and audio, those were my two moments of of me switching on this gearhead light. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, if you had a time machine, where would you go? And uh, if possible, what gear would you buy? If I had a time machine, where would I go and what gear would I buy? Oh. That's that's not an easy question. <laughs> it is not. That's that's where the magic of editing comes in. Um I would and I might flip it a little bit. I might say if I had a time machine, I would have moved to New York early on in my career. Uh Oh, so basically just alter your own your own past a little bit and then relive life. You're not going to you're not going to go check something out and come back. Oh, you, nah, you could do back. whatever. Yeah, that's a cool answer. Yeah, I like that. that. Is, that's a super cool answer. Yeah, and you're the first person that, that's taking <laughs> yeah. it that way too, and I love that. Yeah, I um, that that's kind of how I I think these days. Um, I, I feel like I've 
you know, my path is my path and I, I accept it. And I think I've had a very uh, fortunate and beautiful life so far. And um, but sometimes I wonder, like, how different things would have been totally. had I just had my shit together a lot sooner. <laughs> mm, interesting. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was uh, fear, fear based, I would think. Um, oh. You know, I didn't have. Uh, you know, when I graduated college, I graduated right after 9-11. So there were no jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I actually fell back on music where you hear a lot of parents telling telling their kids, oh, get a degree in finance or something because you need something to fall back on. Oh, yeah. In case music doesn't happen. It actually happened in the opposite way for me um, where I couldn't find a job after college. So I ended up playing and gigging, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I did some gigs in New York. People really loved my playing and they kept asking me, are you going to move here? When are you going to move here? And I just didn't have any money and nobody was yeah. offering me a place to crash, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to, to make that leap, but I mean, you, you've gotten, you've, you've done, and I happen to know, spoiler alert, you've done some cool shit and wound up in some cool places, mm-hmm. and, you know, after that, it's just, but I yeah, think, I think, I think probably a lot of us can look back in, in, in those choices or, or maybe even, uh, to quote, uh, Getty Lee, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, you know? Yeah. So like the, the, like us hanging out, True. staying, staying in the, in our normal routines and where we are, it's a lot easier to maintain uh and and to sort of sustain where you are rather than to uproot and go somewhere scary and new and mm-hmm. without and expensive uh, sort of plan <laughs> yeah. and, and even more expensive than an already expensive city right. of chicago yeah yeah there, there was a lot of that um and you know i think a lot about uh you know what if i t- had taken my money and just gotten a private teacher instead of getting myself in debt with student loans right sure you know so uh, but yeah, that that would be my answer, though. I would, cool. um, yeah, probably move to New York a lot earlier. Yeah. Another another thoughtful, considered answer. That's a cool <laughs> answer. I love that. I love that. <laughs> uh, this next question comes from last week's guest, Deanna Devore. Do you, do you know Deanna Devore? Did you ever cross paths with her in Chicago? I don't think so. Okay. Um, well, I played with her band back in the day, but she was on the show last week, and she would like to know. She didn't know who the guest was going to be, but her question for our next guest, which just so happens to be you, uh-huh. is what's your favorite dessert? Oh. <laughs> I know. One. I'm going to get you hungry. Might right be the now. hardest one we've asked you yet. I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, what's funny is I only have three. I, I'm not, I don't really have a, a big sweet tooth, but um, I would have to go with... Uh, Probably a uh, apple pie with ice cream. What's up? That, that was, was my Dave's answer. answer. <laughs> <laughs> Soulmates. Pie buds. Hey, pie buds. I, I love it. I love hot, like a hot apple pie yeah. and that ice cream. I love it. Right out of the <laughs> oven and then throw some cold ice Ooh. cream on it. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like I've been voted off the show. You guys are just gear buds now. We'll take I'm it out. from here, Henry. Wait, wait, wait. What's yours? What's your favorite? Welcome to Dessert Buds. I, you know, my I, I think I waffled for a minute, and then my answer was a uh, uh, lava cake. Like That's a, a good a beautiful, one. Beautiful, 
like Ooh. a like it from specifically the lava cake from Piccolo Sonio. Uh, it's the best that I've ever had. And oh wow, I'm getting excited thinking about it right now. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking about dessert. And what I'm gonna do is ask you for our last question of a couple two tree randalls, which is usually more like five. Okay, uh, what question should we ask our next guest? Oh, uh, the next guest. <laughs> Can I come back to this question? <laughs> yeah. I'll hold you to that for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. I want to come back because I want to think of a good one. <laughs> That's perfect. We'll get there. All right, this is great. This is a great uh, way to time it into the the main sort of body here because let's uh, let's take it back a little bit while yeah. you're thinking about that throughout sure, the next sure. however long we talk here. So, uh, where did you where did you grow up? Where are you from originally? Um, yeah, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, um, and. I went Shout to, out to Michigan right now. I mean, you must be proud of your home state. Oh, sure. I'm very, yeah. very proud. <laughs> 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 yeah, because um, I don't know in the past, uh, I, let's just say I, I know quite a few people back home who didn't vote. <laughs> so people, people got out this time and got the vote out. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. record numbers across the board. It's obviously because of, uh, you know, uh, mail-in voting but i'll take yeah. it any way we can get it i will Let's take it as well out. i'll take it too yeah uh but yeah i grew up in in detroit and uh went to a, a, a high school it was like a college prep high school that a lot of other uh famous musicians went to actually and um they were they took music really serious so um i'm kind of you know blessed to have gone there uh but yeah i, I grew up in in a pretty poor well, neighborhood wait, no, hold on who, who else played there who, who wait, oh. what other musicians came for your school i want to know okay yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry i'm like i'm not like, you i felt like you were like you were, <laughs> yeah you were about to let you're like setting up the setting up the the punchline and i was like all right where is it let's go right. resolve that chord oh uh, here we, right <laughs> um yeah I, I like to create a little dissonance sometimes uh, <laughs> <laughs> minor seconds all over the place oh man i love it <laughs> um so the the school was called cast tech high school and uh, so you have musicians like uh, trumpeter Donald Byrd went there. Um, James Carter, saxophonist James Carter, Regina Carter, the violinist, uh, Jerry Allen, who's a pianist. Uh, I think might have to correct me on this one. Ron Carter might have gone there. The 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 bassist Ron yeah. Carter. Oh, we'll throw on the symphony next week. Right on. Yeah, we'll look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Okay. That's we'll add your add Jovia Armstrong to the list. <laughs> We're gonna add Jovia Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, who else? There were a lot of actors. David Allen Greer went there. Uh, oh, really? Lil- okay. Yeah, I think Lily Tomlin. Was it Lily Tomlin? I think she went there. Um, Very cool. One of the USA Miss USA's uh, Kenya Moore. She went there. Um, oh, this is my favorite one though. DeLorean. Uh, oh, the guy who invented the DeLorean? Yes, he went there. No kidding. Yeah, oh, really? He, uh-huh. Yep, DeLorean wow. went there. Um, well, we've. I mean, now we need to just try to get everybody who's ever gone to your high school on the show, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're totally changed directions. It's just going to be like honoring the whatever Caltech. I don't remember what you called Caltech. it. Castec, yeah, just honoring the the, the members Get of your, the of your class. So when yeah. did you start? Uh, when did you start banging on instruments and making noise? When did that happen? Yeah, it was probably ninth grade when I entered Castec. We actually had a, a percussion ensemble class, 
uh, like what high school has that, right? You, usually you have yeah, no orchestra, yeah. you'll right. have symphony band, but we had all that. We had a symphony orchestra. We had a jazz symphony orchestra, a uh, jazz band, a percussion ensemble. We actually had a harp and vocal ensemble. Wow. And I have to Incredible. tell you this too. So like there's a, there's this family out of Detroit, the McKinney family. They're amazing musicians. Um, so when I was at that high school, uh, Carlos McKinney, he, he graduated the year before I got there, but Carlos was a jazz pianist and he joined the harp and vocal ensemble and started playing jazz harp while he was in high school. <laughs> so he moved away, you know, became a musician producer. His cousin, Ali, Ali Muhammad, he's also McKinney, but his Ali Muhammad was a drummer. He was touring the whole time I was there. And he went to New York after that. He's, he's been playing with Wynton Marcellus for like the last 20 years. Wow. And his brother Khalil was a trumpeter. So he also moved to New York. Um, but that family, they're, they're just so amazing. And I just remember this one time Ali decided just for fun to flip his whole entire drum set around and play left-handed one night. <laughs> Wow. For the fun. whole, it, for fun. Oh my God. <laughs> I walked up to That's him. That's unbelievable. It was crazy. And I said, because, you know, this kid is in high school. And I said, why, why did you do that? Like, I've seen you before. You play right-handed. He said, oh, I was just having fun. <laughs> and it's oh, not like you're man. playing like four on the floor rock songs or something. Oh, but, it's probably real challenging music that he's playing. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He, yeah, he was playing with the jazz band. So That's insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that, that high school is, uh, it you know, anywhere from, like, there was architecture. Uh, we had majors, like it was a college. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was really great. But that's where I started. Um, uh, that's, I, I, I want to say that's where I got serious about music and drums. Like, at that moment, I knew at 12 that I wanted to play. But, you know, I came from this poor family. We couldn't afford private lessons. So... I ended mm -hmm. up at Cast Tech, which is where I started really learning about percussion, like all of the orchestral percussion instruments. Before then, I had played drum set in uh, like elementary, and I played cello in junior high. Cool. But you just knew that percussion was that 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 was more in line with what you were feeling. It's what I was feeling, and also in my mind, my parents could not afford a cello. I didn't, yeah, I sure. didn't even, I just didn't even ask. It was just one of those things where I just said, that's not going to happen, you know, yeah. because in my mind it's an orchestral instrument and, you know, you have to take really good care of it. So percussion seems to be a little cheaper to get your hands on, unless you're talking about a marimba or something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, for percussion class, all we needed was a drum pad and sticks. So that was the route I went. So was your was your family oh, musical wow. or did you just like how, what got you inspired to ever even when you were 12 to ever even start anything? Was it just like, you know, a class or, or how did you kind of get started when you were that young? Um, I was well, if you ask my dad, my dad says that I used to uh, play with the pots and pans in the kitchen <laughs> when <laughs> right? I was a kid. So apparently I was one of those kids. But. Don't ask me that because I don't remember anything before the age of seven. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do remember 
listening a lot to music. My my folks played a lot of music. Uh, my dad was a vocalist. Um, cool. Actually, him and his brothers, they all sang. And I remember going to church. The church would always ask the Armstrong boys to come up and sing. And um, so, so my dad was a singer. Um, and according to him, he moved to Detroit to join Motown. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and that didn't happen because I, I guess he was... Uh, drafted to Vietnam, I believe. Damn. Yeah, and so that dream didn't come, but um, he played music. He just sang all the time. I could imagine. You, know? you just probably always had music on in the house and stuff like always, that. Always, always. Cool. And um, I remember my mom bought me this Sesame Street cassette tape, and I just used to play that all day. Um, and I would watch my... My dad was very crafty, and so... Um, you know, if I were radio broke, he he would fix the radio. He taught me how to cut tape and like in case the tapes broke that I had all my cassette right. tapes. He, wow. he taught me how to, you know, put the tape back together. And, um, you know, so I was just really intrigued with all of that, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I remember when I was a kid, I also made a little radio show somehow. Um, <laughs> I, I think I had two tape players and I would play one which had the background music and record the other on the okay. other. And I would talk over Mul- multi-tracking it. Multi-tracking as a little kid. Wow, yeah, that's genius. pretty impressive. I was going to say early <laughs> podcasting maybe. Yeah, this is exactly what I was doing. And then I remember saying something and I took all the tapes. I had a, a bunch of tapes in the middle of the floor. And I wanted to mimic clapping, like an audience clapping. And so I just kind of wrestled the tapes together. That's and, great. and and when I played it back for my dad, I remember him asking me, who are these people? <laughs> wow. That's so innovative at that age. That's awesome. Doing Foley effects that, uh, in the single digits. Uh, do you still have this by any chance? I wish. I don't. Oh, me too. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. it got me thinking because I definitely also was guilty of making a radio show with my friends when I was a little kid. Uh-huh. But we, and this is, this is very specifically dating myself here, and, and but I, I would imagine both of you can in some way relate. Uh, do you remember, I believe it was uh, Home Alone 2, mm-hmm. the movie, yep. and he had that talk boy. The talk, yep, the little tape player my, recording. It yeah. was like, and, and you could, and so my, the same thing, my buddy had, got one of those, and we figured out how to like lay background music in, and we recorded our own commercials and stuff, and we had yeah. this like radio show that we used to make, and I would, I would, I would, I would give up almost any of my guitars i'm not gonna say any of my guitars i'll give up almost <laughs> any of my guitars to get those tapes again. oh man oh my I'd god yeah those. yeah yeah that stuff is gone yeah. <laughs> uh, well so what was the next step did you were you did you ever do the like uh high school band thing like getting in a friend's garage and jamming with other players or was it always sort of uh scholastic um so so here's the thing with my my lifestyle um I imagine that uh, there were probably uh, a lot of students doing that. We we did stay after school in high school. We would play around at the school. Um, my family was very overprotective. Um, I come from a Christian background, Christian home, and and pretty much, you know, if I asked to. Uh, go oh, like go to a sleepover, it was a no. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, okay. by the by the time I was twelve. Um, I remember I, <laughs> that was also the age where I got my, my last, uh, whooping. <laughs> yep. So, so I do, I had made a conscious decision 
that I wasn't going to do anything bad anymore. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm too old to be getting spanked. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I made this conscious decision, like, and I just stopped asking to hang out at these places. Um, and again, it's just, you know, it's just because my parents were overprotective and, right. you know, that had a lot to do with their upbringing. And so um, I didn't really... I didn't go out. I didn't hang out with the other students. I was I was cool. You know, everybody at school liked me, but um, I just didn't hang out um, like they were hanging out. They were going to movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That might have added to your mystique. They're like, oh, who's this this Batman like character? (laughs) That's just always like, oh, like, oh, yeah, I don't need to hang out. Whatever. I'm just going to go be a badass (laughs) by myself. What's really funny is that, you know, I'm from Detroit, but to be honest with you, I don't know how many people there know that I'm from Detroit. Um, oh, really? Why is that? Yeah, because um, I because I left. I left at 18, you know, yeah. um, you know, like I said, high school, I didn't hang out. Um, right. I was I was playing in the symphony, the Detroit Symphony Civic Orchestra. I was playing uh, with my my high school band director he had a military band outside of school so i was playing with them um so i, I was kind of busy i was i was scholastic yeah, sure. and that's just kind of where my head was at and so at 18, so then when you left detroit where'd you go i went to michigan state university cool yeah okay. i went there yeah, to study music and uh was not the best choice i mean at the time it was because uh, i didn't know where else to go i, I wanted to play hand percussion but there were no schools at the time. This was like 96. Mm-hmm. Um, the only school that taught hand percussion at that time would have been Berkeley in Boston, which I couldn't mm-hmm. afford to go. Right. I mean, who can? <laughs> and right. um, and maybe Cal Arts, they might have had a hand percussion program. Um, so I, I ended up at Michigan State. And um, yeah, at that at that point, I knew that I did not want to play orchestral percussion. <laughs> um, Why is that? I, I didn't like the fact that people don't clap. They don't clap between movements. Sure. Okay. And uh, you, you need the give and take from the audience, the I, energy transfer. I needed the energy, man. Like, yeah, I needed that energy. And so, uh, and also it, I felt a lot of stress and pressure um, in classical music. Uh, it, you know, it's a world where you can't make mistakes. Okay. Sure. And, and, my my way of thinking is that um we're human we're gonna make mistakes we're gonna screw up all the time you yeah. know um and it's just it's just it doesn't feel natural to me to be that <laughs> i hate saying it this way but in a way it just made me feel kind of uptight and and um i remember really? my i hope she hears this but <laughs> i remember my prof- my professor um, at the school, they forbid us to play traditional grip. Really? Forbid. They use that word, yes. Why? You know, to be honest, <laughs> um, I mean, academia is is kind of racist uh, in one way. Um, two, they didn't feel like it was natural. Um it, it was weird because we had a lot of marching bands mm-hmm. um, where they play traditional grip. Of course. Right. You have a lot of jazz musicians who play traditional grip. 
Okay, I, yeah, I, I get, it. I get it now for sure. Yeah. So, so then, what's what's the? Is it like the German style? Like, what's the grip that they even teach then? Uh, it was match grip. Oh, match grip, yeah. Match grip, and and that was, it, it, but imagine this though. Imagine someone taking your sticks and saying you can't hold your sticks like that anymore. Right. I mean, at that moment you probably would have lost every gig unless you can really fake it because it, it, it's really just a totally different technique. It's, it's no different than taking a guitarist, taking his guitar and flipping his guitar upside down. And saying, yeah, I was going to say, flipping the strings <laughs> around or something. Or even being like, uh, you are not allowed to play fingerstyle. You always have to use a pick. Yeah. Right. Which is crazy because you can make it sound, I mean, I'm sure, you know, with drum, it, it can't sound that much different depending on how your hands are, you know, holding a stick, right? Yeah, and here's the thing, because uh, I, I felt like I was starting all over. It kind of it depressed me. It kind of yeah. it made me feel like I was set back for years, like all the work I had been doing, right? Right, right. And so what I did, we had this big concert one day. I I, I had a snare drum part in the orchestra, and what I did is I moved my music stand up so that it hit my hands. And I just and played, you played traditional. I did. <laughs> Good. I like it. Improvisation, man. And I remember that professor walking up to me after the concert and she said, Your roles sound they just sound uh. amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> really you're thinking, listen, asshole. <laughs> See, let me just be myself. That just, would that's what they'd always sound like. And 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 that's where I'm coming from, you know. I I believe in people being themselves, like whoever you want to be, whoever, you know, whoever you want to portray yourself as, um, how you approach music, I think is beautiful and unique. And if we didn't have people approaching music in different ways, music would not progress. Absolutely not. No, we would just keep repeating everything. Yeah. Uh, And and I've got to say you're, uh, you know, as an educator, you know, we don't have to jump that far ahead yet. We're going to get there. But I feel, I feel thankful that you're doing this and 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 also i can see why now sort of describing some of these experiences why Mm -hmm. you felt like you needed to to continue to pursue this path so you're in school when did you start getting because i know you've you've played with a lot of really cool uh musicians throughout the years when did you start getting gigs and and actually getting out there and and doing your thing um so my my like the early bands i was at michigan state uh I forget the name of, of that band, but that was like the first band I was in where I was playing percussion. And we mm-hmm. were just kind of playing in la- different places in Lansing. Um, but then um, there was also, uh, I guess I left there. <laughs> so I had a different experience at Michigan State too, uh, where I met, I met a, a percussionist uh, who had played with some major people back in the day. He met me and he wanted me to help him uh, get students. And he said, if you help me get more students, I will take you under my wing. I'll show you all, like everything I know. And so we're talking on the phone and I'm like, yeah, of course I want to learn. And um, before, (laughs) before we hung up, he said, he said, okay, well, I got to go right now. But um, uh, let's continue this conversation over dinner, and I promise I won't rape you. And he oh laughed. God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he laughed, and, man, it freaked me out. 
so much. I mean, I was like 19 year old kid. I was super inexperienced. And I just moved to Chicago. I I, I left Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I transferred to Columbia College in Chicago um, in 1999. And I started playing. Um, oh, and, and by the way, I quit music at that point. Because oh, okay. in my mind, I thought, is this what I'm going to have to deal with in right. this industry? Like, And I really had to take a step back and I said, you know, I need to I need to leave this and figure out if this is really what I want to do. And, and is this something that I can deal with? So I quit playing for about a year and a half. And I met uh, I met someone who started introducing me to other musicians in Chicago. And eventually one of them talked me into going to a jam session. And that was pretty much it. Um, I started working with Nicole Mitchell, who mm-hmm. I'm still working with now. Um, and, you know, doing some other gigs around Chicago once I graduated after 9-11, I had to move back home because I couldn't find a job. And once I was there, I was playing with this really cool artist named Eno Savat, who I think she's still kind of playing around. The uh, name Detroit. sounds familiar. I don't know if I don't know if I would have ever heard of her, but then maybe it's just a cool sounding name. Yeah, it may be. <laughs> <laughs> she has some cool music. And uh, so with her band, though, is when I started meeting people. I started meeting other musicians uh, playing in Detroit. And the first big professional gig was Omar, uh, a musician out of the UK. And uh, it just so happens that my family, we were fans of Omar. Like my dad used to play his album all the time. Wow. How and, proud was he? Oh my, oh my God. Let me tell you how proud he was. <laughs> <laughs> he, cause, okay, so I played with Omar in Chicago. Then we went to Detroit the next day and played. And then a, a month later, I found out uh, that he was, oh, maybe it was a year later, I found out that he was playing in New York. So uh, I hit him up and I said, can I play with you? And they said, well, we don't have a budget for percussion. I said, don't worry about it. I'll be there. Yeah, so, right. you know, it was like, I got to do this gig, right? I've never yeah, played. Yeah. I had never played in New York before. So I play in New York. I meet a woman there who says, send me your press kit. Because uh, you, you should be working more. Like, you're really good. So I go back to Detroit. And I asked my dad to videotape me. Like, yo, I need to put together this this press kit. And I need video. Mm-hmm. Every video was him jumping up and down, screaming, that's my baby. That's my girl. <laughs> that's my baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I, to this day, (laughs) I was so pissed. (laughs) Well, you're like, I can't use this footage, but it's really sweet of you to get it that excited, right? Yeah. It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so Omar was the first big one. Um, after that it was, um, you know, I played with Elder Barge. I've played with, uh, Les Nubians, um, from France. Um, yeah, they're, they're huge. Uh, um, and I've done a lot of one-offs. I've never really toured with, a lot of these people, I, I toured with Lay Nubians, but a lot of these shows were one-offs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you toured Eric- with uh, J.C. Brooks's band, right? Yes, yeah, J.C. Brooks. Because that's one I definitely wanted to ask about because yeah. both Dave and I and our previous bands have played with J.C. Brooks, yeah, so yeah. like, oh. love the music, love the tune, so would love to hear a little bit more about your work with him and that group. Yeah, so uh, 2000, I think I started playing with them around 2012. Yeah, okay, and um. 
I met them at South by Southwest. And I was playing with a, a different artist, Jess Godwin, down there. Oh, I and, know Jess too. Cool. Yeah, she's 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 awesome. Uh, and so she and I were just hanging out after we played, and we just went to see the J.C. Brooks set. Yeah. And um, Little at that Chicago point, Chicago love right there. Oh man, and they were so good. It was They're so good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they just when I met them, they they said, "Well, we just so happened to need a percussionist for this gig we've got at the Metro." Um. I said, sure, I'll, I'll do it. And um, ever since then, I, I just started working with them. Um, little by little, they started taking me out on the road. And next thing you know, they made me a member probably by officially, I think, 2014. Okay. Yeah. Um, a, and, and that's still running now? Yeah. So the band, um, well, I mean, we got COVID. Uh, as much as <laughs> yeah, anything. As, as much, much as, as anything. Yeah. I mean, if, the, if, if a band could be a band right now, you guys would <laughs> probably be touring and doing that kind of shit. Probably so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we um, we were working a lot. I mean, we worked so much. I was able to quit my day job at the time, and awesome. Yeah, and um, yeah, we we've played all over uh, Europe. We've done, um, you know, we've put out some records. I produced the last EP of ours. Um, I didn't know that. That's badass. That's Congratulations. Awesome. Yeah, sounds thank amazing. You. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that very, very, very first track, uh, I don't know if you noticed, they, they have the, the the same names, Anywhere But America, the first track and then and the last track on that I didn't record. notice that, Wait. no, actually. I, I'm not a good names of songs person. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible at remembering names. I'm like track one and track ten or whatever. I like yeah. yeah. Is it on side A or side B? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way, but uh, those two two songs, there were songs that I wrote, but the... One that's on the album is called Anywhere But America Part 2. I asked my good friend Isaiah Sharkey to produce that one. And that's what he came up with. So I think it's so cool that you'll hear his his version. It's got like this Anderson Pack type of vibe to it. Okay, cool. Uh, And so he produced that one. I I pretty much produced like the vocal the vocal um, sessions on that song mm-hmm. but the very last song is the version that i produced so it's very that one is very much like joe cocker type of feel oh yeah and, but but it's pretty much the same song with different lyrics so um all right well now i gotta go gotta yeah go i gotta go ad that. those for sure <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool As does everybody listening to this episode right now yes. after you're done listening to the <laughs> episode of course yeah but yeah, that is, that's super cool yeah but as far as us working um you know we we slowed down a lot um we we did unfortunately lose our uh record deal um in 2016 uh we would we were with bloodshot records mm, and okay. um okay. and <laughs> unfortunately we found out while we were in europe <laughs> so oh my god yeah. so it's like oh i was having such a good time until i got this news right <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, things slowed down a little bit after then, but, um, you know, we, we still, we're a family. I love the, the guys in that group. Um, we, we work together really well. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how else to put it really. We, we're, we're family. I remember one time we were in the van, uh, and we were doing like a, a, a West coast tour, which is excruciating <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like every city is 10 hours apart <laughs> right oh, God, yeah. and um 
and I and, and like JC is six four. I don't think people realize. Yeah, yeah, he's a big, he's a large dude. Yeah, I've I've been in a trailer or two with him before. With where, the- yeah, both of us are pretty large fellows who take up too much space. Yeah, take it. <laughs> and you know he's such a sweetheart. He's like you know he's a sweetheart, and I just remember feeling bad for him in a van, and I had like a pillow and i just put it on my lap and i let him lay on my lap oh <laughs> that is that is a total family that's, move that's right family there. style I like that. yeah and that's like well, that, that sort of brings us to uh to more or less to today and i wanted to quickly mm-hmm. share this fun little story so when i first uh, messaged jovia about being on the podcast i did it on facebook because i i don't know i just we I, for some reason never had your cell phone number or maybe i had an old number or something any either sure, way sure, sure. I, I went to it and i found the, the only other message had come from you uh, <laughs> in like 2013 and I somehow never saw it. And I, and I have to share this personal moment of grief uh, with the world uh, because you'll understand why in a second. So the message was, was Joe asking me to come play guitar on a session that she was doing mm-hmm. at electrical audio here in Chicago. Oh, and dude. I'm like, <laughs> I still haven't worked there. And it's I'm so bummed that I did not see this message because obviously I wouldn't I you didn't you were like oh it's like not a lot of pay out on that shit for free dude she thought you were no big time man <laughs> I know right and I just never saw the friggin' message and, and here we are now and now and I think you even told me that you never finished the project well yeah <laughs> that sounds like there's more to that story there there actually is so. Okay, so I've paid uh I've paid the musicians like three hundred bucks each. Um, it was like I just had these tunes that I really wanted to to just release, get them out there and so yeah, I did message you and I I, I hate that I didn't have your number. <laughs> I know. Wow, we've totally f- I I take all the blame for this. I don't know how I missed oh, that. It's all good. <laughs> um but what happened is we did the session, you know, electrical is expensive, it's all analog, yeah. and it's right. beautiful. And uh, we recorded, and somehow when I went on that tour in Europe, I guess I had the hard drive with me, <laughs> and okay. I lost it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. The whole entire, it was one of those small, like, you know portable drives and yeah. like those little orange ones that are like shock absorber yeah, ones little, yeah uh, yeah USB just real, ones. yeah and i just remember you know because we were going to be in europe for a whole month and so you know usually i pack light but for this trip i'm like well that's a lot of time you know there was yeah i'm mixing this record yeah, I'm mixing, let's do it yeah, <laughs> yeah listening to it yeah absolutely yeah like gotta work and so um i remember there was a point when Jay needed to transfer information off of his computer and like drives got switched up between me, Jay, and I think Alec, our guitar player at the time. And I just thought I I went back to Chicago and I was like, all right, let me get back to this record. Where's the hard drive? Oh man. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I couldn't tell you where, where it ended up. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really shocked that I did not back up the session. I usually do. Um, and actually, one of the songs was backed up, but the other two are just nowhere God. to be found. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah, that was my. Well, my I'll tell you what: if you ever decide to try to dust these 
tunes off and, and you do need a guitarist for a session, I will respond to the message this time. <laughs> okay, okay. For sure and show up because I'm down. Okay. No, I, I've got I got some stuff for you then. Yeah. <laughs> I Love do. It. So uh, speaking of right now, I mean, uh, uh-huh. uh, there are a couple thing, more things I want to touch on before we let you go. Uh, one of them that we've already mentioned that you're uh, you're sponsored by Gone Bops as well as Sabian, which is just super fucking That's cool. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And last year I got in, uh, what is it, QSC? No kidding. Really? Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. So are you using their, them for monitoring and stuff? Um, so I've got their Touch Mix 16 channel mixer. Cool. And I've got two of their 12-inch CP1 speakers. And uh, so part of my degree program is uh, I'm getting a little bit into uh, music and virtual reality, basically immersion. So I'm getting okay, into yeah, sure. you know audio immersion. And so um, I got the speakers. I'll probably have to grab some more speakers because um, hopefully when everything opens up. up. What's that? Are you going to do a 5.1 setup? Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to find some spaces out here in L.A. where I could do like, you know, have like a trio or maybe myself. Um, And I recently bought a uh, a Zoom binaural recorder. Ooh. Yeah. Like putting putting audio into space. Yes. That's, That's some cool shit. If anybody hasn't ever had the opportunity to experience any of that kind of stuff, it's... I mean, I, I sometimes worry that it's like what people were saying in the 70s about quadraphonic audio versus stereo. But uh-huh. I mean, it when you when you hear it for the first time, it could be the next thing that people like that, like people want the way people want to uh, consume audio in, in the semi near future. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, I have sitting in front of me a pair of uh, uh, Bose glasses, like sunglasses that are also headphones. I oh, just okay. saw an ad for those. How do, how do you like them? Oh, I, I'm sending them back. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I won't be getting getting any Bose endorsements, but... Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you guys... Do you, do you know what Bose stands for? Oh, what is it? I didn't know it was an acronym. Yeah. Buy other sound equipment. Oh, <laughs> oh burn. <laughs> I guess we're not and getting any endorsements We've officially lost either. our biggest sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now to take time for our sponsors. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the thing is that, um, you know, they have these bone conduction headphones out. Yeah, right. Um, and they're great because they're they're open ear. So you can hear things around you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if people are calling your name, you can hear it. They don't have a really good bass uh, frequency response. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they don't. And these Bose ones are technically not, they're not bone conduction. These have speakers on them. Hmm. And um, and let me tell you why I don't like them. Uh, why I don't like them is because the battery life is three and a half hours. Yeah. So so like a a part of the day when you would need sunglasses. What was that? So that would only be like one part of a day yeah, when like you actually small, need sunglasses. Right. Like all of a sudden your sunglasses, like you just can't use the audio part anymore. Presumably the sunglasses don't need the battery too. Maybe <laughs> they only tint when the battery's on. <laughs> I, I wish I had to buy. Um, you can buy different colored lenses. There's um, like third party companies that make them as well. Yeah. So I could flip the lenses out, but at the same time, they don't sound that great. So yeah. I'm they just tried. like, they did try, and I have like some really really cool looking sunglasses 
that I bought in Spain. Like I never really, when I tour, I don't really buy a whole lot. But on my last trip, I brought these cool looking sunglasses. Now, if those were crappy sounding headphones, I might wear those. Yeah, right. no, totally. I, I've seen the ones yeah. that you're talking about, the Bose ones, and I, they're not my like, style whatsoever. You, 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 set, you sacrifice a little audio quality for the drip. I mean, hey. I get that. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the battery life is terrible. Um, yeah, and so, like, why, why, you know, why wear them? They're 200 bucks. The cable, the charging cable is like a foot and a half. Oh, great. Is it proprietary? So, it's not like so micro then, USB or something? It's proprietary. Yeah, exactly. Of and course. so oh, yeah. that's And terrible. so then I had to buy a third-party cable that was longer because when I tried to charge them the first night, I had to sit them on a the floor because the cable was so short. Right. <laughs> then you might step on them. And you might step on them. So Man. They've got this all worked out. They're yeah. they're selling a lot of sunglasses. <laughs> Here's an way, extension cable what. for you. <laughs> crazy, man. Yeah. All right, my friends. So, I mean, that that kind of brings us to today and a lot of the cool stuff you're doing. I know you're also teaching right now. So, would you mind giving us a little, just a little sort of synopsis what's going on with that and like uh, the degree that you're working on as well as the the teaching that you're doing? Yeah. Also, I wanted to give uh, I have to give a shout out to Icon Pro Audio as well because. Um, I am endorsed with these guys too. Um, they, they make some really cool devices. Just check them out when you get a chance. Cool. Icon Pro Audio. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great. Um, as far as the education side, um, so back in 2011, uh, well, 2010 through 2012, I was working as a mentor at, uh, U Media Chicago, and um, it's for a chance to rapper and no name and Saba Pivot, like all of these young um, artists were uh, when they were in high school. And I remember I was teaching a beat making workshop and these young ladies were there at first and they started to walk away after about 10 minutes. And I said, hey, where are you going? And they said, oh, well, girls don't do this. Oh, shit. And oh. I was standing there kind of hurt because I'm like. Ain't I a woman? <laughs> you know? yeah, what am I? <laughs> what am I? And um and so um and then like uh there was also a group of young boys who came in who they came in a few times and the third time they, they were leaving, they had only been there for twenty minutes and I said, Where are you guys going? And they said, Oh, we don't we don't really fit in here. We don't belong here. And so I, I thought a lot about that. Like, why do people, uh, especially young kids, like, why do we feel like we don't belong in places? Why do we mm -hmm. feel ostracized for some reason? You know, we, we, we actually ostracize ourselves from, from spaces like like that. It was, a, it was a space where we had a recording studio. You could check out a microphone, the interface, mm -hmm. computer. You could check out a video game, like video games. It was just a cool space. So, yeah, super cool. You know, um, so my dissertation work, um, although it's based on music, um, I'm looking at how we could use music to heal, uh, which is why I'm getting into um, immersive audio because I mm -hmm. feel like we can use immersive audio and um, uh, affect processing to, at least in a moment, Give people a certain high or feeling of euphoria, which, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, which is uh, what they say, you know, we, we, we're releasing dopamine when we exactly. are listening to music, you know, because we love it. It makes us feel high. And so I'm kind of connecting all of that and uh, <laughs> marijuana, ayahuasca, all of that stuff. <laughs> um, right. A little DMT in the mix. Yeah, little, hey. A uh, little pineal gland. A little shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're just going to talk dr- our best trip stories at this point. I, I, I feel like, you know, if I'm going to work on a dissertation, make it fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. And um, so anyway, a lot of this came from, believe it or not, um, uh, I was looking at trap music. So I was looking at mental confinement. Uh, so these students to me had this mental confinement. Like they didn't feel like they could do certain things because of social conditioning. And so I said, what is that? You know, it's like we're trapped. And at that moment, I thought about trap music. And trap music, um, in, my, in my research so far, uh, what I've learned is that trap music comes out of um, <clears throat> excuse me, certain neighborhoods where people feel trapped. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of um, displacement of, of poor people from major cities like Chicago and L.A. They were moved to the suburbs. And when they were moved to the suburbs, some of these places were like gated communities with a cul-de-sac. Right. And so immediately you already get a sense of being trapped in, in this puzzle, in this maze. Mm. And and also you have to look at the systemic racism that happens that keeps you there. Right. And the thing with uh, systemic racism, we don't really see it. Uh, which which is proof today that <laughs> so many people don't know that it exists or that it's real. Right. Or deny it. Or deny it. it thank you. And so um, when you go to, when you end up in these neighborhoods, you, uh, number one, you know, sub- suburbs don't have sidewalks uh, for the most part. Um, the bus is usually far and few between, you know, so you have to walk. I remember at Columbia College, I had to take two two buses, two trains and walk 25 minutes to get to my internship. Mm-hmm. Cause I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, but my internship was in Glendale Heights, which is nowhere close to Chicago. Yeah. It was a hike. So um, when you get to these areas, there's also a lack of employment, you know, there's a lack of lack of jobs. And so what happens is people feel trapped. They, they, don't know, you know, and then they may not be qualified to get certain jobs. So they end up staying in the trap. They call the neighborhood the trap and there's a trap house. The trap house is typically where drugs are sold. Right. Um, Every like sometimes there may be prostitution, but for the most part, you know, the trap house is where drugs are sold and you're just kind of in this trap. And I started looking at how, um, you know, we have, you know, the red lining, which kind of traps um, minorities into uh, certain neighborhoods. You know, they can't get out because they're mm-hmm. not approved for loans. That's right. Um, looking at uh, police entrapment. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the 2018 the Chicago bait truck um, situation where mm. they put a big semi in Inglewood. And they took the lock off the back of the door and just waited for people to go in to steal gym shoes out of it. No way. Wow. I've never even heard about this. No, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. The, it was the Chicago. If you look up Chicago bait truck, you'll find out about yeah. that. 
Uh, so there's always these traps that are being set up, it seems like, for African-Americans, right? Um, and of course, if you get caught up in that prison pipeline, we know that prisons are um, uh, privatized, you know. Of course, you're right, yeah. It's a huge and industry. It's huge. Um, even if you look at uh, the, the broken window theory, um, which the New York police department saw that theory and they flipped it and they started the frisk the stop and frisk laws mm, yep um and then i could also look at uh roddy king in 19 was it 91 on mm -hmm. my birthday actually uh that was the first uh traffic stop where there was police brutality caught on tape mm -hmm. right and also if you look at mike brown in 2014 yep both officers, the officers in both of those cases, compared those guys. They they said that they look like animals, and so yeah, it's it's dehumanization. It's a it's become this very standardized technique to make what these instances of brutality out to be less than they actually are. Exactly, exactly. And so I started looking at the word trap and how we're looked at as animals in these ways. Um, and, and also looking at the trap set, right? If I, if I go back to music, we can look at the trap set. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that totally <laughs> ties right back into your, 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 you know, skills professionally. Yeah. Yeah. The, the trap set and, you know, which apparently the snare drum, the, the snares on that drum are the snares of a, um, you know, a device used to catch animals. And, oh, I and, never thought about that. Yeah. yeah, a snare. A snare is an old trap. That's an old name for like a wilderness trap. Right. right? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a trap, and so that's kind of like, uh, and I, I kind of spoke about it all over the place, but I'm looking at how these traps have been set up for us, and it creates a sense of hopelessness. You know, when you are displaced and put into certain neighborhoods, you don't feel like you can get out, and if you don't feel like you can get out. Um, you're probably happy that you made it to the age of 16. You know, um, I've had a lot of students who had never been to downtown Chicago. Right. right. And yeah, you hear that. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. They're living just like four or five miles away. Just four or five miles away. You know, they're so close. And so um, I was just looking at how, you know, how can we use music to, Give us a sense, even even if it's a a, a false sense of hope, because <laughs> uh, because the thing is, being trapped is also a false sense. We're not really trapped. We don't have. Sometimes it, it can be a mindset. Sure, it's yeah. a mindset. Like we, a lot of people don't have the tools or the know how to get out, and that's the issue. And that's um, what you're working on. That's what I'm working on. Yeah. Um, what, what's, how do you, what do you have a sort of form in mind for how, what this is, is it individualized outreach? Is it, I don't know. How, how do you, how do you accomplish this sort of tech goal that you're working towards? Well, the, the complication is my actual degree. So my degree program is called, uh, we call it ICIT, which stands for integrated composition, improvisation and technology. Mm -hmm. So. Basically, I have to have a component of my dissertation work has to have composition involved, improvisation, and technology. 
So the technology that I'm thinking about using, because um, I'm kind of flipping it, I, I'm looking at how it, it's like if I'm looking at uh, people who have lost hope and therefore they don't know that it's possible for them to get out of these places and succeed, it's that in itself we know it's not real, right? We know that if they had the tools, they can get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at virtual reality um, spaces that offer immersive audio. Uh, but like ver- if, if I'm dealing with kids, what I would like to do after I graduate, I won't be able to do this during the, the dissertation, but maybe in postdoc work where I create these yurts in neighborhoods. Because remember I talked about the ayahuasca drug mm-hmm. the plant right. i should say not the drug the plant <laughs> the ceremony that goes medicine through, yeah. the medicine thank you <laughs> um you know uh we you know stere- stereotypically we we think about you know if you go to south america there's a yurt you know there's like a shaman right. sitting in a yurt right that's not always the case uh, shaman are way more modernized now mm-hmm. um but i was thinking about the yurt itself and I see in Chicago, there's a lot of places, a lot of neighborhoods where there are gardens mm-hmm. and there's community centers. So I was thinking, what if there was a yurt built right outside of a community center and inside that yurt was a VR space where people in this neighborhood could go in. It's mostly made for kids, I would say, but you could go in and you could... um you know how you can play games right now with somebody across the country, right? Sure. Yeah, what if you old. What if you can make music with someone across the country in a VR space like a yurt? So these, yeah, I so would these, do it right now if I could. I know, right? <laughs> you know, so it would be a space where these students, these kids could actually create music with other kids in Chicago, Detroit, California, wherever. Um and also, an even bigger component is um, I want to teach them how to build this stuff, you know, teaching them how to, um, you know, use resistors and capacitors and build their own, like, synthesizers and yeah. using Arduino boards and things like that. Because every time I go to the NAM show, I don't see any products by African-Americans. Uh, Tosin Abasi, his guitar line is so dope. Badass. So in fact, awesome. actually, I was uh, Dan Liu, former guest of the show. I was literally just talking to him before the show. He just got his Abasi seven string uh, a couple Oof. days ago. Loves it. Beautiful, beautiful. And again, he was like the only one I saw. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> and he's out. He, we saw him too. He's at his booth. He's doing the thing. I mean, and, you yeah. know, he's a pretty famous guy at this point. Yeah. But he's selling those guitars. He's he's yeah, there. He he's doing it. He's selling them. Yeah, he's he he's is working. You know. Um, yeah. And those are the type of things, it's like, if we don't see ourselves out here doing these things, then we're not going to have that hope. You know, uh, I'll forever have girls telling me that girls don't make beats. Hmm. You know, I'll have... You make beats? I make beats all the time, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're telling you that. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so that that's kind of like, in a nutshell, I'm looking at... Um, the the VR space, I'm looking at immersive audio, um, like doing shows in um, surround. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it heightens a person's sensibilities, I think, you know, because mm-hmm. we're used, as a matter of fact, in venues, we're used to hearing music in mono anyway. That's right. Right. 
right? And so unless you're close enough to the stage to get you know an, uh, some unbalanced guitars or something yeah. like that coming off the stage sound. True, true. And like with my idea, it's just like uh, I remember the last show I did. I so I have a, a guitarist and a viola player. And she's not as familiar with pedals. She's starting over the past year. She's starting to get uh, into using pedals and things like that with her viola. Um, I told her, she said, well, I don't exactly know what to do. And I said, listen, you can turn the mix all the way to 100% on your wet signal to a point where we don't hear the viola anymore. Right. That's cool. I, I, mm -hmm. I, can, I can get down with that, you know. Um, so that's what we're doing now. We're kind of playing around with effects processing. I'm treating these effects as instruments themselves, you know, like in Absolutely. the in in the composition. Um, I might have a note for her or the guitarist to say, uh, you know, this should this section should all be delay and uh, phaser or 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 chorus, you know. Um, and it's okay that we don't hear the guitar anymore. We've we've heard guitar. <laughs> right. We <laughs> have know? heard guitar. Yeah, we've heard viola. Um, and I started, you know, a lot of times when you're in grad school doing this type of work, this type of research, you you start to doubt yourself sometimes because you're, you know, you're kind of asking this question and, and then you're trying to either prove it or just back it up in some way or, mm -hmm. you know, just do research on it. And this summer I was kind of doubting, like, man, you know, can I really make people feel like they're on a high at the show? Um, so, of course, you know, I would say Grateful Dead did it, but their audience is also, like, actually high. They were high But I, I do know acid. there are people who would listen to them and not take anything, and they would, oh, they totally. would say the music would definitely elevate them, for sure. Dude, my grandfather is not a pot smoker. I don't know if he's ever been, but he definitely mm -hmm. loved him some Grateful Dead back yeah. in the day for yeah. sure. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. People have reported that they have felt elevated. They have, you know, felt a high. And so I'm trying to do that through jazz and effects processing. Um, so what I'm a writing... noble cause. I love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm all about the people and... Um, I just see so many issues with uh, social conditioning and, um, you know, why, why do we believe what we believe? Um, why do we doubt ourselves? Why, mm -hmm. why do we feel like we don't deserve to be in certain spaces? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even for me deciding to go back to school after 20 years, uh, the first two years, I mean, I'm in my third year now, but the first two years I definitely dealt with uh, imposter syndrome, you know, just feeling like I don't know if I belong here. I mean, I'm doing all this commercial music and now I'm sitting in a classroom again with people who are like analyzing, you know, orchestral scores. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and that's not necessarily something I want to do, um, but I'm there and I'm doing it, you know. Right. And you're learning and growing yeah, and, and you're and you're and you're taking yourself outside of what you were which was what drove you to go back to school to begin with exactly yeah and i you know i just want to take what i know and teach kids um i felt in chicago um that when it came to songwriting and, and composition and producing i felt a little inadequate and so that's a big reason why i came back is so that i could be a better educator 
well, we're thankful the world will be and is a better place already for for that mission and, and having someone as talented and and driven as you working on it. So from, thank you. from I the appreciate world that. to you. Yeah, thank you. Really. Yeah. <laughs> thank and, you. Um, and, and I can think of no sort of better or more optimistic place to leave this. Uh, Jovia, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, and just thank being, you. Man, so open and, and giving with your time and your and your thoughts and uh wow it was an excellent conversation if and and i should say when our listeners want to check out more about you and <clears throat> and and your music or maybe if they want to work with you someday in the future where would you send them on the the old interweb to to find you and to learn more um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I would say my website, joviaarmstrong.com is probably the best place. And, um, I've been for the last couple of, of months kind of working on my YouTube page. Um, and so I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue uploading videos and things like that on those two spaces. Beautiful. Perfect. Well, everyone needs to go to joviaarmstrong.com. And I can say, having gone there myself, uh, beautiful web design, by the way. Some great photography. Thank you. Understated, simple, really Absolutely. just, Agreed. you know, great thank web you. presence. I appreciate uh, that. Thank so you. So thank you to both of you uh, for, for hanging out and chatting with me on this, you know, otherwise crazy ass day and this crazy ass time we live in. I'm glad that everyone seems to be, you know, healthy and safe and, uh, you know, just to. Yeah keep it going you know keep doing oh, it. And thanks thanks again jovi appreciate it thank you and I, and I have to give my question still right oh, oh thank God. you yes <laughs> what is it i forgot <laughs> did you think okay. of one i would have just i would have literally just texted you and be like yo what's the question oh yeah um so uh i'm i'm curious for the next person and, and and i'm not supposed to know anything about this person right just, that's right just someone else in the music world someone else in the music world uh if they could uh bring back a technology that is now obsolete what would it be that is a brilliant question. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I might be thinking about that one later. I, I know. I'm going to be thinking about that one, never, like sitting, like getting stoned a little bit later. Like, which one would I do? Well, vinyl, vinyl, vinyl is kind of obsolete, but then that's back, and I've got a lot of that. Right. So I guess that's not obsolete. Yeah. What hasn't actually come back that's hipster and cool again is the question, right? Uh, yeah. And, and well, when well I, all right. Well, we got to ask you then. What's yours? Yeah. Do you have one? Um, I would say. Uh, hmm. I don't have one, but I keep thinking about like this old synthesizer called the Fairlight. Oh, the CMI Fairlight CMI. That's right. Yeah, like I want to. I I don't know. Like somebody has one someplace. I think Stevie Wonder's got one. <laughs> yeah, he's got, Stevie Wonder for sure. <laughs> he probably has one in Herbie Hancock, right? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I would say. I would love to understand. I want to see MIDI when it first was developed. Like I want to be back in that time where, uh, where some some like smartass <laughs> was like, "Hey, here's MIDI. Check it out." Um, hey, we've because, got all this stuff that can't really talk to each other. Let's figure out how to make it talk to each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like. That that would be cool. I mean, MIDI still exists, of course, but um, yeah, I just, we just ratified a new MIDI standard at NAMM this year. Oh, did we? Which one? What? What is it now? I think it's MIDI 2.0 now. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I don't know that anything there's I know that Roland released one MIDI 2.0 keyboard just to like proof of concept sort of situation, but it's basically a lot more fidelity instead of 0 to 127 it's like 1200 or so steps now and oh. there's a lot more channels and stuff you can do per channel and it's just like tuning all the, the like slight little th- the things that they couldn't really figure out in you know 1980 whatever when they came up with it for the first time oh uh, so yeah midi still going strong yeah yeah and when i thought of that question i was actually thinking about vinyl and cassette like cassette was actually yeah. my, my first one i i love cassettes cassettes are i love they're like a perfect little medium to tr- like transport for you know stick them in your pocket and go yep yep Yep. All right, folks. That's <laughs> that's been a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for thank being you on. so much. We can't thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Thank you.